Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area of South Carolina, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. I will say there's been a few times that people have reached out to me from the podcast with a subject line that looks to be spammy, um, and so be careful with that. Uh, because it could end up in my spam folder. So I've had a few times where something like that has happened. So please put something like, um, hey, I'd like to connect with you or um, great podcast or something like that. Something that would um, actually stand out to me if you're going to send me an email, something that won't end up in my spam folder because I've had a a few instances of that lately. And I want to make sure that I respond to every single fan mail, we'll call it, all my fan mail that I get, which isn't very much, by the way, but I I get a little bit of it. Um, As always, as well, please remember to subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Please leave a rating, preferably five stars if you can handle that, um, and leave a short little review. Just scroll down in the podcast app. You can see where those five stars are. Smash that five-star button. Leave a short little review under that, and I'd really appreciate that. Today, I'm going to be talking about this upcoming year. Actually, by the time I release this podcast, it will already be the year 2023. Um, I'm recording this on New Year's Eve uh, because I will actually be out of town next week, so I want to make sure that I I get this recording down. But I'm looking ahead towards this new year, which, like I said, by the time I'm, I'm releasing this, it will already be the new year. And I'm trying to think about what is going to happen. We talked a little bit last week about reviewing 2022, previewing 2023, but I I like to spend a little bit more time typically just thinking about what the new year will actually bring. So I wanted to uh, come up with a bold predictions episode of this show for the year 2023. Here are 10 things that as I'm looking towards the new year that I think will happen. Now, I want to try to keep track of these throughout the year because I'm sure I won't go 10 for 10. Like there's a very good chance that I won't go 10 for 10. Who knows? I might not even go five for five, five for 10. I don't know. But I want to go ahead and put this out there and we can track how well I do. So 10 bold predictions for the year 2023 with number one being that mortgage rates will hit low or mid fives at some point in the year. I believe this for a few different reasons. One is that we already know that the Fed is slowing down their rate increases. There's a prediction that uh, that most people believe that in January and February, the Fed will raise rates by uh, uh, 25 basis points, um, which is in contrast to uh, most of this past year, they were doing 75 point increases. And so this should help. Once we get past hopefully February, hopefully those increases will stop. And I think that that those increases are already kind of baked into the rate. What I do think is going to happen is at some point, for one reason or another, that rates are going to come down. I think that there there could be a few different reasons for that, so I'm not going to speculate on on one of them. But I do think that the Fed has probably uh, they've they've shown they've tipped their hand a little bit that they like to tinker. Okay, this. Federal Reserve, they like to tinker in markets. They like to tinker with the economy. They like to think that they really have a a tremendous amount of control over what's happening. And so I think at some point, 
maybe rates will just come down organically on their own because they're already kind of artificially inflated in contrast to what the Fed is doing. But I think as well, the Fed may bring rates down before the end of the year, perhaps in response to a recession or something like that. Again, I don't know for sure. But generally speaking, I feel like uh, there are a lot of ways where we could end, where we could find ourselves by the end of 2023 with mortgage rates, which have been hovering in the high sixes lately, we could see them coming back down to the low to mid fives. I believe that that's going to happen. We'll see. Um, number two, my number two bold prediction for 2023 is that the U.S. will experience a mild recession uh, with the result that real estate closings will be down 10 to 15% year on year. I do agree with kind of the consensus that it does appear that we'll be going into a mild recession. Now, this is a little bit tricky because by some metrics, we have been in recession in 2022. And that, that was a big debate, you know, earlier this year. It's like, oh, we've got had multiple months of negative GDP, all that. Isn't that typically how you define a recession? Uh, well, I agree with uh, the Biden administration that you do have to account for unemployment being historically low. Like in a recession, you never see historically low unemployment. So I'm not exactly sure who's going to ultimately determine like when we're actually in recession, but I think it needs to be a combination of looking at the GDP and then also looking at uh, at unemployment. And I think that we will see, it's pretty clear that the, that the Fed has said that they want to see unemployment go up in order to cool down the economy in order to slow down inflation. Um, so I do believe that that's going to happen. And with that, some sort of mild recession will occur. Now, I could be wrong on multiple levels. I could be wrong. Maybe we won't have a recession or perhaps on the flip side of it, maybe we will and maybe it'll be something way worse than mild. I know that Elon Musk has said that we're going to have a severe recession uh, in 2023. I don't know. Um, all I know is that the uh, from a housing standpoint, whatever happens in 2023 should look a lot different than what happened in 2008 because that was a housing recession. Um, what we would have potentially in 2023, if we go into recession, it will impact housing, but more indirectly. Whereas in previously, we had a recession that was caused by the housing market. That would not be the case this time around, based on what I'm seeing. Um, so at the very least, even if the recession is more severe than I'm predicting, I, I still think that closings, at least in the Greenville market, will only be down 10 to 15% uh, year on year. Which is not a very big decrease when you consider that closings have been at record highs for a while. Um, so to only have a 10, 10 to 15% decrease year on year, uh, that would be a, a pretty good sign for our economy, for our housing market, um, if that happened during a recession. Um, my bold prediction number three is that median home prices, so median being you know the middle number in a sequence of numbers, the one that we typically look at to kind of get a sense of what the average house costs, because if you look at the middle number, that's more accurate than looking at the entire average, because the average is skewed by uh, a handful of very expensive homes. So we look at the median. Uh, the median home prices, I believe, in 2023 will stabilize, but will not go down. I've, I've, we've been talking about this before, where I'm looking at the price to see if it goes down during this winter season below or near $285,000, that would indicate it. prices are actually going down more than the seasonal norm. Um, I believe, based on what I'm seeing, that home prices will stabilize, that we'll start to go back to this normal of, of 
two to five percent um, increase year on year, uh, but that we will not see prices uh, actually go down. That we won't actually see a scenario in which homes are cheaper now than they were a year ago. And I have a few reasons for believing that. Um, really, the the primary reason is that the Greenville market is a resilient market, and we have more sustainable demand than most other areas. What I mean by that um, is that if you look at areas that have seen, you know, major population booms, parts of California, parts of Texas, parts of Florida, in a lot of these instances, we see kind of a gold rush type of mentality. So for instance, Austin had this gold rush type of, uh, of experience where you had all these Silicon Valley people moving there. And I guess they're still experiencing that to some extent, uh, but that can't happen forever. I know that Boise, Idaho has had something similar. Now, I think that Boise is maybe a little bit more sustainable, uh, but I also think that I, without knowing that market super well, it seems a lot of that is just driven by cheap prices, that people are just flocking there because it's like, okay, here's a city that has cheap prices. Um, and so some of these things can't last forever. The Boise one, maybe Boise can sustain it. Um, I don't think Austin will. I think several other cities that have really seen major increases in population in recent years are due to see a tapering of that. It's just not some of these uh, growth numbers that I see just aren't sustainable. The economics aren't there. Greenville, on the other hand, has had people moving here for uh, what I'm going to call sustainable reasons. I don't mean it's sustainable from like a climate perspective. I mean sustainable from a from an economic perspective. Um, people move here because it's a nice climate. That's not changing anytime soon. Uh, because it's a smaller city that has big city amenities. That's not changing anytime soon. It's it's always going to be a small city. The local government is ensuring that. Um, people are moving here because. We have a state and local government that respects uh, private property rights and keeps taxes fairly low. That's not changing anytime soon. So all of these dynamics that cause people to want to move to South Carolina and specifically Greenville from outside of the state, those dynamics aren't going away. And on the flip side, that means we have a, a high retention rate because people moving, potentially moving from Greenville somewhere else, they're finding that, oh, it's more expensive. Oh, there's less private property rights here than what I'm used to. I don't like that. Um, all of these different things. And so we just have a consistent pipeline of people, and we've had this for a long time, that want something different than what they're getting in the areas they're moving to Greenville from. And I, and once they get here, they stay. And so I think that, that these things will continue and will continue to make Greenville an attractive uh, location for people to move to and to stay to, to stay at in the foreseeable future. I don't see that we're having some kind of a gold rush that's just going to, to taper off. I think that the economics, uh, that the everything about Greenville that makes Greenville attractive, I think will continue to make it attractive in the years to come. And I think that that means that we're going to see resilience in home prices. That's where I'm trying to circle all this back to is that those median home prices that a lot of people are, are reaching out to me and saying, you know, hey, our price is going to go down. Our price is going to go down. What's going to happen? Um, I'm not prepared to see prices go down because I, I see on the ground from my perspective what's happening in this area. And to me, we're going to see a stabilizing effect. On the flip side, 
we didn't have the type of boom that other places had. People, this might sound crazy to people because of how much prices went up for our area, but prices didn't go up as much in Greenville as they went up in some other areas. So the highs are lower in Greenville than other areas because we don't have that gold rush type of, of flocking here that other areas had. Um, but the the lows are higher. So Greenville is just, generally speaking, a more stable market, and, and I anticipate that continuing to happen. Um, on the flip side, if we want to talk about average home prices, which then are skewed by those, uh, by those more expensive homes, I would anticipate that at some point this year, we will see a year-on-year decrease in averages. And the reason why I believe that in average home prices, the reason why I believe that is that I think that those higher-priced homes are not going to sell as much as they have the past couple of years. As wealthier people and those buying second homes see their net wealth go down. I mean, we're already seeing this. People, as the stock market has kind of struggled, I think it's rebounded a little bit recently, but people have seen their net worth really go down, the the wealthier population. And those were the people buying, obviously, those expensive homes, those, those second homes on the lake, those types of things. And so I think that... Um, we'll see this for the rest of the year to the extent that at some point we're going to see average home prices, even though median home prices, I think, won't go down. I think we will see the average go down as those more expensive homes either don't sell or, or don't even come on the market. And we've already seen average prices, unlike the median prices, we've already seen average home prices uh, according to the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors, have gone down month on month for four straight months. And and likely, once we get the numbers for December, it will be five straight months. So it's only a matter of time before the year-on-year numbers reflect what we're already seeing in the month-on-month numbers. But that has not been the case with the median price point. So this is why it's important to differentiate between these two. The average home prices have so much of those expensive homes baked in whereas the median kind of tells us more what's happening market-wide. Number five, my number five bold prediction for 2023 is that national foreclosure rates will remain at all-time lows. This is what a lot of people don't fully understand. Foreclosure rates are really, really low, and they should continue to stay low. Now, there is a little bit of concern that there is still, believe it or not, a lot of COVID forbearance and things like that that is, uh, that's coming out of the market that could cause us to see a little bit of a spike in foreclosure rates. But even if we see that, it will still, everything that I'm looking at data-wise suggests that foreclosure rates will still stay very, very low. The reason why people go into foreclosure is when they end up having negative equity on their house. So they can't list their house and sell it. They also can't make payments on their house. Um, if they sell it, they'll owe more than, they'll owe to the bank because they have negative equity. And they don't have the money to do that. It doesn't make sense to do that. So instead, they just foreclose and, and you know, try to find a way to, to rent for the foreseeable future until they're able to, to get their credit to recover. Well, foreclosure rates have been low for a long time. But, and I think that will continue because we have seen historically high down payments for the past couple of years. Homes that have been bought the, the past two, two and a half years have had historically high down payments. And the average homeowner right now has way more equity in their home than we've really ever seen. Because we also, in addition to the high down payments, we also saw um, homes gain equity more dramatically than they normally do as a result of inflation. So 
and we've talked about this at, at other times in this podcast, but long story short, people have a lot of equity in their homes. Their, their homes would have to lose an incredible amount of value for that equity to dissipate. And so if someone finds themselves in a situation, let's say the unemployment does go up, and so then they have to, um, they, they can no longer afford the home that they're in. At that point, they have recourse. They can just sell. They might not sell for as much as they hope that they would be able to by this point, but they will have the ability to sell because they have enough equity. And so um, that's what we're going to see. Rather than foreclosures, we're going to see people that are starting to get behind on their mortgage payments. They're going to have the ability to just list their home for sale and move to something cheaper. Um, That is also a big factor in why I think that median home prices will stabilize because what typically is the driver of home prices actually going down? That's typically foreclosures. Foreclosures are ultimately what really drives prices down. So in the absence of a major foreclosure type of event, um, and we could we could obviously see that. If the recession is worse than I'm anticipating, um, if we have more wars and things like that, we could absolutely see uh, foreclosures skyrocket. But right now, I don't see it. And in the absence of that, I think that prices will remain fairly stable and, and we'll, we'll go back to the pre-pandemic norms of moderate increases uh, in home values. Number six, my number six bold prediction for 2023 is that Greenwell will see its first increase in housing affordability since 2011. Um, and so we measure housing affordability. The, the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors has a housing affordability index where it kind of factors in how expensive a home is with current prevailing mortgage rates, and then also looks at kind of what's the median household income, and then determines, okay, what percentage of the median home can the median household income purchase? Um, And we want that number to be over 100. Typically, that means that the median household can purchase your average median home, median priced home. Um, but that number has been well below 100 now uh, for uh, for quite some time since we've come into the pandemic. Um, and it's just been constantly going down. I think that we're going to see housing affordability go back up for the first time since 2011. The reason why I think that is that interest rates, I think, will come down, as I've already said. Appreciation will slow. But you combine all of that with um, employers are going to have to make higher pay raises than normal. So as we factor in what's happened, what people can't afford, uh, which is, uh, again, a part of that equation, that should all end up in favor of those who are looking to buy. So I think housing will become uh, a bit more affordable over the next year when you factor all of those things in. Um, Does that mean that it will go back up to 100 where the median household is able to able to afford the median priced home. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm ready to, to, uh, to quite jump to that conclusion because uh, that housing affordability index is still very, very low, I, I believe. Um, oh, let me look it up real quick. GJR market stats. I had these pulled up before, but I, I closed it. All right, so the housing affordability index uh, for November was 78. Uh, so yeah, we, we've the last time it was over 100 was uh, January of 2021. Yep. So we're now approaching almost two years since it was at or over 100. I don't see that 
getting back up to 100. But could it go into the mid to high 80s? Could it maybe even hit the 90s? I think that that's very reasonable given all of these other things that I uh, that I just described. Uh, bold prediction number seven, a little bit different than the others, but I think that Greenville realtor turnover will exceed 50% within the next 12 months. Now, I'm not really sure exactly how to measure this, but I feel confident that this is going to happen, that we're going to see a 50% turnover of realtors in the next 12 months. I'm not the only one predicting this. This actually isn't that bold of a prediction. I just wanted to make sure that you guys understood, because I do get people from time to time to ask me what it's like being a realtor. Should I become a realtor? When's a good time to become a realtor? Um, you should be aware that that this is a difficult time to become a realtor. When the market is shifting like this and it's shifting in a way that it's contracting, um, tough time, tough time to become a realtor. I've got two stories about this. Um, there was a uh, a guy that I was on committee with for uh, basically the entirety of 2022. I was on a, a local committee, and that's realtor associated. Um, and so we were on this committee together, and he was very involved, took it very seriously. I took it seriously, but wasn't quite as involved in him with like events and, and different things. So we had an end of year kind of uh, little celebration, you know, not, not nothing very big. Um, and I asked why he wasn't there after a couple of hours, because I just I had seen him everywhere. And uh the the committee organizer said, yeah, I don't think he made it. Um, I tried to reach out to him. His phone number is disconnected. He doesn't appear to be a uh, a realtor anymore. And it was just shocking. It was like, this is a guy, I'd actually even put an, I had a client that put an offer on one of his listings this past year. This is a guy who, t- who took everything very seriously. Seemed like he was really invested. Um, but the the crazy thing that's that that's kind of funny, but also kind of sad was that uh, this committee organizer had said that this person um, recently had had been asked, hey, can you go do such and so for for the association? Can you almost like that they needed someone to, to go somewhere to drop something off or something like that? Um, and I don't I don't remember the specifics of it, but he said something like, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to afford my next tank of gas. And the organizer thought that he was joking, you know, because this guy wasn't, he had kind of a dry sense of humor. Uh, but it was like, oh, no, he actually wasn't joking. He actually really was just trying to find his next uh, tank of gas. So um, we're going to see a lot more of that in the future here as the quote unquote easy money that's been flowing through real estate dries up. And now it becomes difficult again, where you have to, to scratch and claw for your real estate business. That's the market that we're entering. Another story I have from this is um, I was at uh, a, a company party for C. Dan Joyner Realtors that I'm a part of uh, towards the end of the year. And I sat by someone that I had never met before. And so I was just striking up a conversation with him. And, you know, it was just kind of like, I figured he was new. He was. He he was a realtor for about a year, and and so we were just talking. And um, he said, "Yeah, it's been kind of a weird year. It's like uh, the vast majority of the money that I made this past year was from opening doors for other realtors. Well, opening doors for other realtors. What that means is if you're unavailable, if someone needs to to look at a house, let's say that one of my clients needs to look at a house, but I'm unavailable for one reason or another." I can 
have someone else with C. Dan Joyner that's a licensed realtor help me out by opening a door for my client, letting them get in, letting them do the showing. And then afterwards, I debrief with them and talk with them about, you know, what they thought about it, what they want to do, how they want to move forward. Well, the the going rate for that is about $50 per door. So if you um, if you open, you know, if, if you do a showing for another realtor, typically they pay you about 50 bucks. That's kind of what the expectation is. Uh, but it's not needed that often, right? At the end of the day, like most realtors are trying to do as many of these showings as they can for their own clients because that's a big, it, it's actually challenging for me. I can make it work, obviously, but it's uh, it's challenging for me if I don't see the house with my client. I don't know what they're thinking, what they're saying in the moment. Um, I can't be as much of a of, of an assistant to them and as much of a sounding board as I typically am when that happens. Again, we can work through it, but it's just if I'm if I can do it, if I can do the showing, I'm going to do the showing. So the vast majority of realtors are trying not to outsource these to other realtors, but it happens sometimes. Obviously, there are times when we're out of town. There's times when we already have things planned when someone is ha- is available to look at a house, whatever the case may be. Well, this realtor who's been a realtor for a year and during the year when it was probably about the easiest time ever to be a realtor. He shared with me that most of the money that he had made the past year was just from opening doors for other realtors. So 50 bucks a pop. And that just blew my mind. And I I wanted to encourage the guy, but I was just thinking to myself, man, this is going to be a tough year, buddy. <laughs> I hope you've got something else uh, in the pipeline here to, to back you up in case things really get bad. Because there's going to be a lot fewer doors to open. That's just the reality of, of the situation. Um, and so all of that to be said, the, these, I think that, that we're going to see a lot of this type of thing happening and we should expect some pretty substantial realtor turnover. Um, and, and by the way, just kind of a shameless plug, um, but you should, w- w- a lot of people don't consider when they are assessing different realtors of whether the realtor will actually even be in the business in a few months. You know, if you're looking to buy or to sell a house and right now that's taking longer than it normally would Um, like imagine if you were working with a realtor who during the time that you are looking for houses or looking to sell your house that realtor has to get a full-time job because they're not making enough money now their attention is divided and they're not necessarily able to help you out fully so one thing a major major consideration when people are looking at realtors and considering who, who to work with that a lot of people forget is will this person actually still be doing this? A, you know, two or three months from now, a year from now. That's a very important question that almost never gets asked. Um, and obviously, a person is going to say, "Well, yeah, I'm going to be doing this a year from now." Um, but there are better ways of going about asking that question. How many years have you been doing it? The ninety percent of realtors drop out before their fifth anniversary. Um, how? Many closings did you have the past year? Questions like this that help you to kind of understand, okay, here's what here's what to expect. If, if it's a realtor that's only been in the business for a year and a half and they've only had, you know, 10 closings that entire time, um, you might have cause for concern. Uh, that might be a, a realtor that's not going to be able to help you in the future. So that's just kind of, uh, that's just something to help you guys out. In Greenville or not in Greenville, you know, you might be looking to sell a home in Texas or California or Florida. 
um, if when you're selecting, when you're looking at your realtor, definitely consider that, how long they've been in the business, how many closings they've had, all of these types of things. All right, prediction number eight. I believe that inventory will stay below pre-pandemic levels. So the total number of homes for sale at any given time will stay below pre-pandemic levels. However, month supply of inventory may temporarily go above pre-pandemic levels. So month supply is a metric that we look at that looks at both the supply and the demand. How many pending sales are there in comparison to how many homes are on the market? Month supply has been very, very low. It was in the the ones and twos for a very long time. It's it's quickly approaching the threes. Uh, Pre-pandemic norms was was between four and five. Um, I could totally see that month supply temporarily going above pre-pandemic levels, so perhaps into the fives. Um, Whereas actual total inventory, I think, will stay below pre-pandemic levels, which would have been around... 4,000 to 4,500 homes on the market. And and so what I'm saying here is that I think that weakened demand through this year and will be coupled by weakened supply, but that the weakened demand will outpace the weakened supply so that what we'll see is that the months of inventory will end up going up because demand is weakened and the total inventory will kind of stabilize and will not exceed pre-pandemic norms because supply is lower than it normally is. And there's a reason why I believe this. I, I think we're entering an extended period of time now where people who purchased their homes two plus years ago and might be candidates now to sell, people that typically would be selling around this time um, and buy something bigger or nicer, are going to choose instead to enjoy their low mortgage rates, you know, 3% rates on their cheap homes, a home that now, you know, if they if they upgraded, they'd have to pay way more than they did when they moved. Um, and so we're going to see people that normally would be selling this year, next year, the year after, that will really have a hard time making that choice because they are paying so much less than they would if they ended up selling and moving. Um, but Again, I still see the month supply of inventory, which factors in not just supply, but also demand going up before it goes back down, um, at least for the next few months. So we'll have to have to keep tracking that and see if I'm right on that prediction. Uh, prediction number nine, days on market until sale will reach its highest point since 2016. Um, what that would mean is that days on market until sale would end up approaching probably nearly three months. So we have been historically in the lowest ever days on market until sale, which is basically from the time a home is listed until the time an offer is accepted in a given month per the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors. It's been in the 20s and 30s really for the past two years, 20 to 30 days on market until an offer is accepted. Um, Pre-pandemic, that number was more like in the 60s, to 70s was kind of more the norm, or, or even the 50s to seven, 50s to 60s, 70s, something like that. So, roughly two months, you know, is what you can what you could expect on average from the time you list a home until the time it goes under contract. That feels like an eternity right now. Um, but remember, uh, even one month would have felt like an eternity this this past couple of years, and the average was 
still 20 to 30 days. And so what that means is that this average is weighted heavily by the homes that don't sell uh, for several months. And that number is then obviously uh, impacted by the homes that go under contract like right away. So you've got all these homes that go under contract right away, but then what's pulling that number into the 20s and 30s is all these homes that go under contract after three, four, five, six months. Okay, so all that to be said, um, this number, what I would expect and what I'm kind of expecting because of, of how quickly the market flipped, I think this number is going to potentially go way up. I could totally see it surpassing, and what I'm predicting is that it will surpass the pre-pandemic norms, which would have been um, around two months. Um, I could totally see it going into the 70s or 80-day range. I think that that's completely, uh, completely reasonable. I think that um, what what we saw is a lot of people that listed homes, uh, you know, right around the time that the market flipped, but they didn't account for the fact that the market was flipping, uh, was uh, was doing what it was doing, um, and changing gears from this insane seller's market to a much slower market. And so we've got a lot of homes that are just lingering right now. Well, once those homes sell, and it shows that they were on the market for 120, 150 days, whatever the case may be, that's going to pull that number, that days on market until sale number, way up is what's going to happen there. So um, so I anticipate as a lot of these homes that listed at the wrong time and, and with unrealistic ex- expectations, eventually those sellers will sell them here in the next year. And once they sell them, and this is particularly true of, of new construction, right? New construction is really lingering. Once we start to get this glut of new construction sold that's been on the market for forever, we're going to see that days on market until sale number go way, way, way up. Um, and so I'm just waiting to see that. Um, the most recent number for this was November, and it was 35 days, um, which is the highest it's been in a long time. So let's continue to, to track that. I could totally see that doubling before the end of the year. Um, n- my number 10 prediction is that cheap fixer uppers will appear again as people reset their expectations. I just mentioned a lot of people kind of got caught out in the cold as the market shifted. Well, as people now are are have been in this market now for several months and they're they're starting to realize and and realtors are are starting you know realtors that uh maybe had never been through a market switch like this are starting to realize hey we need to adjust our expectations one thing that you could get away with for the past couple of years was just to put a fixer upper home on the market for just a hair below what a turnkey home would sell for and you could find a buyer for it because inventory was so low buyers had no other choice but to just purchase those fixer uppers Um, well that's different now now there's plenty of options out there if you're looking for any type of home and so people are just ignoring those fixer uppers they're just saying you know forget it we don't we don't need to to buy a fixer upper home we'll just wait uh, for a home that's turnkey that's just going to be a little bit more money to come on the market so what's going to happen is these sellers looking to sell these fixer upper homes but don't have the money to fix them up themselves. They're going to have to to go back down to the norm, which was factoring in that it's a fixer upper. Like it has to be a reduced price in comparison to uh, to homes that aren't fixer uppers. And so I think we're going to see a lot more cheap homes that need work coming on the market because sellers are going to realize gone are the days 
where they could just list it for close to retail and get pretty close to that price. Now they're going to have to put those heavy fixer-upper discounts on those homes, and that's going to make it very interesting for people buying in this market. Uh, we might see uh, things shift to where you could actually buy homes that you could flip from MLS. That Those types of opportunities have been pretty sparse lately, but we may see that come back. We'll have to see, but I anticipate uh, in my 10th bold prediction here that we will see cheap fixer uppers appearing again as sellers reset their expectations. So those are my bold predictions for 2023. I've got all of these uh, written out, so I will be tracking these. Feel free to track them myself, uh, track them yourself, um, and let me know if I uh, miss out on any. Of course, I've got 12 months uh, for all of these to come true, so uh, I I feel pretty good about that. Uh, We will see what happens. I am happy to keep accountability for whether my predictions come to pass or not. Uh, So we'll see. Let me know if you agree or disagree with any of these. My contact information is in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs or just to tell me that you think my predictions are wrong. Feel free to do that. I have thick skin. It will not bother me. Um, As well, please, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. And we will talk again next time.